Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Calm Parents. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. If you're feeling disconnected with your teen, this episode is for you. I'm talking with Melanie Prather Stutter, the author of College Bound, The Ultimate List of Conversations to Help Your Teen Through High School, and the author of the blog, Parenting High Schoolers, where she shares real-world ideas and solutions for raising teens in today's world. Today, Melanie is going to share with us how to create a stronger connection with our teens, even when it feels like they're pulling away. Welcome, Mel. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's so glad. I'm so glad to have you here. And I know we've talked before and we're we're kind of in sync in so many things. And I love to hear your perspective. So Tell us, start a little bit about how you started getting in passionate about raising teens and helping parents with teens and starting your blog. Okay. Well, so my oldest is 24. So when he was about 14, um, we started seeing this disconnect. You know, he was wanting his independence and we had always been so close and we got frustrated. So I started asking friends with older kids and reading. I'm a big researcher, you know, just like, I want, like, what can I do? And one thing that we went, I wish I had it with me. One thing that we went back to, we had done little family meetings throughout their starting sometime when they were in, you know, elementary, um, about just different things that were coming up, their schedules, et cetera. And, um, if we wanted to touch base about something and we sort of drifted away from that because we're like, oh, he's, he's a teenager. He, he, he's got it. We've got it. Ha. That was so wrong. (laughs) So we went back to what had worked and at each, um, grading period for us in this town is about every six weeks. Um, that was sort of our set time to meet with the kids about their grades, good or bad, or, you know, what whatever. And we started being a lot more intentional. Like we would let him know, okay, this is coming up. Um, here's something we would like to cover. Do you have any ideas? And so it became sort of a set expectation and we got pushback at first. Obviously he was like, I'm not meeting, you know, typical team, but it became something that I think we all started to look forward to. Hmm. Um, maybe not every time. And there were certainly not time. So there were times that it did not go well, but we just sort of learned to shelve it. We, I would write it down in the notebook. You know, we got, we got this decision made, but we still need to talk about whatever. And then the back of the notebook, we would write down ideas. He would Sam could come up with ideas that he wanted to ask about. And we would put down things that as it occurred to us, oh, we should talk about this. And that, I don't know, that sort of was the beginning, the roots of people kept asking me like, well, what are you doing? Not that Sam was perfect because he was not, but 
um, a friend and I started talking and we decided we would start a blog because she had teenage girls. I had teenage boys and we started in late, like winter of 2016. And we officially started really the summer of 2017. And then she had some family things. And so we parted ways very friendly in um, summer of 2019, which is the same time that my, my book came out, which was just me college bound. And it was sort of those ideas about having those conversations with your kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and then, you know, it took me about a year to decide, okay, without, and do I, is this really something I want to continue? And I just realized, yes, I still had teenagers in my house. I now have just one teen, but the other two are 21 and 24. But, you know, it's so cliche, but it does take a village and, and, and we're not perfect parents and our boys are far from perfect, but I feel like we're ahead in some ways than others. And I always looked to the, my friends that had older kids. So, you know, if I could help anybody along the way with things we've learned the hard way or learned later, I mean, I still feel like even if we didn't try it, if I heard about something that was working, I'm like, I write a blog post about it. And I'm like, you should try this. And so that's sort of the evolution of how I got to, to now. Which is perfect. Cause it's like, I'm dealing with this. I'm learning. Let me share with you what I've learned. And I think that's what parents really want is if you're doing this and this is practical, because there's a lot of great ideas out there, but implementing them and knowing if they really work, I think is the biggest struggle. Yeah. So I know we were, we were even talking beforehand, but a lot of parents, when their kids become teens, and you even mentioned this too, you start feeling really disconnected from your kids. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what's happening. Why, why are we starting to feel that disconnect? Well, I think it's a combination of a couple things. Number one, teenagers are ready to be independent of us. And, and, and their idea of independence is like completely breaking, you know, and, and we know better. We know, okay, okay, I see you need room, you need privacy. But I also feel like a, a lot of times we're scared to give them limits on how that's going to look. And um, I actually did like a YouTube video about this, that, that teens do need their solitude. And that is part of their growth process. They yeah. need time to dream and be mad or, you know, whatever their thoughts and emotions are. But I also feel like, you know, after an hour, that door needs to be open, you know, close the door for an hour. But I also really feel strongly no phone during that hour, because if you're wanting your alone time alone means alone. And if you've got your phone, you're you're truly not alone. So um, so that's number one, like they 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 do crave it and they need it. And I do think they deserve it. You know, we I know my parents let me have probably way too much time alone, but of course there weren't cell phone devices back back dark ages. Um, (laughs) But I also feel like, I think we mentioned this before we started that. And I said it earlier, like we feel like, Oh, we've got this, you know, they've been pretty good kids, you know? Yeah. We've had a couple things, but, and you sort of, I almost feel like at least for us, we sort of let down our guard. We sort of, um, we're like, Oh, we know what we're doing. We've done this for 13, 14 years and, and he's pretty good. But then you realize, and that's when we felt that gap was, I feel like 
we forget to be intentional. We forget that they still need us probably more, maybe as much as when they were babies and they couldn't change their diaper for themselves. I think we, it's a, you go back to that. It, you know, even though they don't, we talked about this too, that they don't show us their love and gratitude like they did when they were babies and toddlers and smile at us and hug us and mommy, I love you so much. Like that goes away. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it frustrating to say the least. Yeah. We, we want something from them. We still want that reassurance and that love back from them. And when we don't get it, we get frustrated and we're like, well, fine. If you're right. going to just, if you're going to not show it to me, I'm not going to show it to you. And I think that's where we falter because they still need it from us. They do. And I think we have to remember that, like, who is the adult in this situation, even though it is so I am a big reactor. And so I really have to I apologize all the time. Yeah. You know, I I'll snap back or I'll be real sarcastic back because they can handle it. You know, that sarcasm and it can be fun. But sometimes I catch myself I'm like, Melanie, you are not 14. They are, you know, yeah. and um. I think we just need to remember to that they are showing us gratefulness. We just have to really catch that moment. Like of it may, it's not going to be what we love and crave ourselves. We'll get that back someday, but just like a, maybe a non hateful look (laughs) or, you know, um, just a quiet moment where they just come sit by you on the couch. They might not even be touching you, but there's no strife. There's no, you know, we're, cause that's going to happen probably in the next five minutes, but take those moments yeah. and just suck them in because it might be a while before you have another one. Yeah. And, and I think even sometimes that, even that when they're dumping all this emotion on us, which feels like an attack or feels like a lot, but in truth, they're trusting you enough to share that with you and they feel safe enough. So even in those moments where you're feeling like they're disconnecting, they're actually showing a trust and a connection with you. So it's kind of changing your perspective, which I think is very difficult for us to do. It is. And I love that, that you said that, because that is true. When they're dumping their bucket, my mom used to laugh. I went away to college and I thought that one week call, you know, once a week or twice a week, because there were no cell phones, um, you know, I'd call and she'd call it dumping my bucket and I would just dump, 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 dump. And then she would worry and stew and then call me a couple days later and she'd go, well, what, how did that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like for me, it was, you know, blah, I vomited it out on her because I knew I could. And then of course she, so we need to remember too, that as they're dumping their bucket, it just let it, you know, unless it's something that you feel like is a flag, just let it drip off the back of you. And you know that, like you said, that that's a a true sign of trust. It is. It is. And I think it's kind of retranslating their behaviors from their perspective. And I think that's hard to do. So Mel, tell us if we're feeling, and I hear this from parents all the time, we're feeling disconnected from our kids. They're up in their room, locked behind doors. They're spending times with their friends. They want to be on their phones or on their video games, and they don't want to connect with us. And no matter what we do, they don't seem to respond. How do we create a connection with them? Well, 
One thing is if you're not to that point yet, I highly recommend starting off with parameters, you know, to not, to not get to that point. Um, just, you know, yes, you can play your game, but these are the, these are the hours or your homework has to be finished or these are the days or however that's going to look for you. And that way the expectation is already set up. But if you're already to a point where you are so frustrated and feeling like, like you were talking about, one thing I've always said is, um, I think kids of all ages, um, need to be told what to expect. So you have to decide in with you, if it's just you, then decide that, or if you have a spouse or a significant other or whatever, whoever's involved in this at, while they're at your house that you can't control your ex or whatever, but while they're at your house, what do you want that to look like? And write it down and think about it and don't have that conversation yet. And then at maybe one of these, you know, um, and even if you haven't started scheduled meetings, cause that's kind of a weird thing. Like, you know, people are like, I don't know. I don't do that. Set the expectation, you know, maybe some morning when they're eating breakfast, if you can get them to eat it or, you know, some afternoon when you've made it, make a snack. Food is always great. Bribery, you know, have their favorite cookies and then just sort of say, hey, you know what? I would really like to talk to you. Not you're not in trouble. Um, how does your Sunday afternoon at three look? I just for 15 minutes. And so start little, you know, and then at that meeting, um, say that here's something that I have noticed and I would like to start changing it. And gradually, you can't just say go from eight hours a day of gaming to like zero or, you know, 15 minutes or hour, whatever you're going to make it just say, you know, I would like to, I would like to think that we're going to reduce it by an hour this week and then work your way to where you want it to be and have open it with room to compromise. Um, like we can, my husband and I would, we would notice something that we all of a sudden was like out of control, whatever gaming or, you know, we're like, Oh, we need to figure out how that's how we need to work backwards. And so there, you're going to get pushed back, but we're the parents and we know what's best. And so, um, you know, I hate to use that phrase. Like I told, you know, I, because I said so, but sometimes it is because I said so. and be willing to compromise. And maybe there's like one day that they can earn extra time or figure out a system and everybody's is going to be different. You know, you might be okay with your kid playing three hours a day, but someone else might say, oh, I think an hour is enough. So figure out in your head and then work towards that goal. And I think, I think the teens really appreciate having input, having it not be like massive, just cutting it in because We've tried it both ways, believe me, and got massive pushback and and hate. And so you just sort of it's like a constant negotiation, you know, and try to pay attention to what what's working and what's not. And just sort of you got to work, work it out a little bit at a time. Yeah. And I I think um, I mean, part of this, too, is creating these boundaries that are healthy for them but also giving them the insight so they know how to create healthy boundaries for themselves too. I think a lot of this is they want their independence. So giving them that framework where they can start going, this is why, and this is how, what I need to do. So if you're getting a lot of pushback from your kids, and I I see this a lot, 
um, how do you kind of create that connection so that pushback doesn't become a conflict? It's, you know, every child is different and every situation is different. So what works for one kid one time, it's not necessarily going to work for your other one. And the same thing might not work the next time. It's like, you know, it's like cats. You're just like, Um, you know, the times that we've gotten the worst pushback is when we have been the most harsh or, you know, non-giving. I don't know how to say it, but you have to be consistent and you have to frame it in a way. Like when my kids were little, I read an article once that said, use your doctor to, to tell your kid why you want them to do something. So I could always say, well, Dr. Beal says that blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, try to find a meeting ground where there is someone they trust and respect. That's not you. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can maybe refer to. Well, I read that or I heard that, you know, and then and I encourage you to look it up, you know, so don't make crap up like you can't make. Cr- oh, yeah, I was you- just going to say, do not use this method as a manipulation and make something up. Right. No, and they're going to find that out and it's going to hundred percent. Now, when they're little, you can say doctor, whatever. Right. But when now they're so smart, so smart. So have, you know, have statistics, um, like on sleep, you know, that is a huge thing in our house. And I am a firm believer in a good night's sleep. I wrote a blog post about it. You know, our kids need at least nine hours of sleep. Um, and so I encourage you to have them do research. So one thing we, I had one of my boys just was like, I'm not, I'm not tired. I'm not tired. So we kept a chart. And I said, so let's just see how you feel. Mm -hmm. You know, let's keep track of the amount of sleep you do. And after about a month of pretty much, I mean, we didn't keep track every night, but we looked back and he had to chart like how he felt when he woke up. I mean, we were very scientific, you know, it was all on a piece. I like it. Yeah, (laughs) It was all on a piece of notebook paper. And so (laughs) how did you feel midday? Like during your most boring class and then you know, how did you feel that night when you were trying to get your homework done? And so all he had to do was like, you know, good, bad, dead, tired, whatever. And so we kind of looked back and he realized that maybe those nights that I got a little bit more sleep, you know, I was feeling better. And so that sort of worked with him. He did not ever sleep as much as I wanted him to, but he did stop pushing back as much, you know, Mm -hmm. or like, I was also really careful about when I ask for him to go to bed. Like if I knew something was coming up, I would just sort of say, Hey, you know, remember you've got that test on Saturday, the SAT or, you know, whatever it was. And, you know, maybe this week it would be good to increase your sleep or whatever. So, you know, it's really hard to say because different things work with different kids. Um, And that pushback is awful. It's, you just have to get creative. And I would say, do your research, like Google it. I mean, that's my best friend is Google. Yeah. What do I do if, you know, or my kid is doing this, like, how can I, and there are quacks out there, but there are people that are trained you, a doctor, you know, there's, or moms that are, have been through it Mm -hmm. that are trying to help. And, you know, I was, I'm a big proponent of reading books. I you know, they just, 
actually need boundaries. They don't know it. And they're not going to tell you, oh, I love that. I love that you're telling me to go to bed. They're never going to say that. But I do think if you establish a lot of this in the first place, it makes it easier as you go on. But then you can get like, you know, we established a ton of stuff and we still struggled with some of the things. Yeah. Well, and I think there's two, two key things there too. It's like establishing ahead of time. So they know what it is rather than after the fact, like, oh, you broke that rule that never really existed. And suddenly I decided that that's, I don't like that. So now it's a rule. So yeah. it's like beforehand, right? And then it's also, you know, making sure that you're not doing so many rules. Cause I've talked to parents and they're like, well, here's my list of rules. And it's like three pages long. And I'm going, no. there's no, how do you even police that? Yeah. How do they? So it's like, what is really key? So like you were saying with sleep, okay, let's focus on sleep. Let's, let's just focus on sleep instead of sleep and this and this and this and this. And then kids are spinning going, I can't do anything right. So I don't even care. Um, So I love, I love your approach as scientific as it was. I'm putting up a little air. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I do, because what's so cool about that is you're not just saying do this because I said so, which teens are going to push back on that. And I often say to parents, if you don't have a good reason other than because I said, so let's think about why you're doing it. But I think if you are saying, all right, you don't need to take my word for it. This is what I believe. This is what you believe. Let's figure it out together. And we'll come to our conclusion Mm -hmm. together. And if you are, you know, sleep is going to help. So ultimately, that's going to be the evidence, right? Um, I, I think that's really great because now they are also learning, hey, let's go investigate. Let's not just take people's word for it, which we don't want them to do in the real world, right? We want them to investigate. And here's how I investigate. So I I really love that. So we let's just do one more thing. Like what is one more tip you have on how we can reconnect with our teen if we're feeling this just we're not connecting. Everything is just an argument or butting heads. Okay. So I want to go back to what you just said and and tag onto that is you're limiting the rules. So we had two rules and they were, you know, essentially do what we say, you know, obey, like, and, and obey gets a bad rap. But like, if I ask you to do the trash, I don't mean you have to do it this second, but could you do it this morning? You know, whatever that looks like, or, you know, tonight before the trash men come in the morning. So basically it's, you know, And that's something you have to work on when they're young. I mean, you can't just start that all of a sudden. I mean, you can, but the other one was respect. And I think respect is even more important because if you're respecting yourself, then you're going to get enough sleep. And if you're respecting me, you can disagree and, and believe me, they're going to disagree on Mm -hmm. um, almost everything, but a lot of times I'll say, could you re? Could you say that again? You know, because I'm the queen of bad tone too. Like I'll mm-hmm. snap. I told you earlier, I'll snap right back. So lots of apologies, lots of working together. And don't, I agree with you, don't have three pages of rules. Just distill it down to what's the most important. And I feel like that's where you're going to start to get less pushback is you just, okay, everything can boil down to, you know, respect really more than anything else, because if you're respecting yourself and 
me or my husband or whoever, or your brothers, you're not going to come in at two in the morning. That's disrespectful. That is to yourself. You have school tomorrow. Um, And it, a lot of this stuff is, uh, is so much easier to set up ahead of time. But if you haven't, then baby steps, what, where do you want to, like, what is bothering you the most? And then figure out a way that you can back it into the tiniest little increment of change and then be open to compromise and then work through it together. Because I really feel like teenagers want to be respected. And if we are just telling them, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. They're totally, they're, they're going to just cut you off at the human beings in general. Like they're human beings. Human beings don't like to be controlled and demanded and Right. Yeah. So just distill it down to those tiny pieces of what, you know, and then put, start putting together a plan, you know, and, but have it in your head. And if you are married or have somebody else, an adult, like be a team because they will tear you down so fast if you can play one off the other. So, and as an, as the adults agree on what you're going to disagree on ahead of time to say, I don't care so much about bedtime or their sleep, but I'm going to support you. I won't, I won't, you know, make that, I won't, you know, destruct, destroy what you're trying to do there. And then, you know, just that's got to be a compromise too. That is, that's a tough one. And so there's like a few things. So you know, when you say respect, which I love, but it's everyone. It's not like you respect me. It's like, I have to respect you too, because I'm going to model what respect looks like. Yes. And if we disagree on what respect looks like, then we have to discuss that, right? Because they sometimes think I'm being respectful and you're like, no, no, that doesn't feel respectful. So <laughs> it's, you know, teaching them what, what feels respectful. And I think also, Getting on the same page with your spouse, which is really difficult to do. It's pretty much impossible from what I've seen when you have different households. So it's consistency within your own home. And it may be consistency within you. But I think what I, I love what you said too, where it's at least getting on the same page because I often see parents use the other parent as a way to connect with their kids by discrediting the parent behind their back and being like, I know your mother, whatever, like I disagree with your mom, but I have to go, you know? And when we do that, we're, we're like losing respect all around and we're modeling that behavior of how to treat other people and creating more confusion. (laughs) Because now they don't know and they're set up to play off of one another, but they're confused because now it's like, well, who do I believe? What's the truth? And that's actually more disbelieving. Right. So I think being wary of throwing your spouse under the bus to connect with your teens can be tempting, but it's going to backfire. It's, right. It's when I taught be... middle school the last couple of years, so many times those kids would come in and they were just acting out and being awful. And then when you got to the nugget of what's going on, a lot of times it was just that exact thing, you know, um, it's really heart wrenching. And so I think we do need to remember, I mean, respect above everything for each other, even if you don't agree, you can agree to disagree. Yeah. And I think we're seeing it so much in social media and on the news. And if you don't believe or, you know, <clears throat> What I do, I hate you. 
Well, that's wrong. I'm going to cough. <coughs> so anyway, that's what. Yeah. And I think too, it's understanding. I mean, there's so many studies that say like kids that argue, it's actually a positive thing to teach kids to argue. So I think it's also defining what does respect look like? Because respect doesn't necessarily mean that they just agree with everything you say. <laughs> respect means expressing your differing opinion, but in a respectful way. So right. I think it's also defining that. Like if we're expecting our kids, if we're defining respect as, okay, respect is just taking everything I say. You need a, do you need a glass of water? I hate when I get to that point. I do. Okay, go get, go, go, no, go get a glass of water. And I'm just going to go on my little thing with respect. So I think with respect, it's being able to define what respect is, but giving your teen space to also hold respect for them so that you respect their opinions as well. Because a lot of times I think we define respect as you just respect me for everything I say and do it. And we're going to get pushed back from that. So I think it's really a matter of respecting them and modeling what that looks like to listen to their side and take into consideration what they're feeling. And the studies have shown when you allow your kids to argue, it's not about the argument. It's about how the argument is resolved. And when kids are able to learn how to argue and resolve, they're the ones that are able to voice their opinions and their point of view, they're more likely to resist peer pressure. They're more likely to stand up for what they believe in. And so it actually creates a strength. So it's really just talking about defining what respect means and still allowing room for differing opinions, even from your kids, not as a form of disrespect, but as a form of giving space and just how you communicate it. It's important. Absolutely. Sorry just, about my little. No, that's all right. I just kind of went on a roll. I was like, okay, I'm just good. So, all right. So Mel, tell us, tell a little bit about your blog and your book and how people can find you. Uh, okay. My blog is parentinghighschoolers.com. And um, you can, I am on Pinterest, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all the places. I have a YouTube channel. Um, they're all parenting high schoolers. I have my book. That you can get to through my blog, but it's on Amazon. Um, yeah, I'd love to have you join me. I'm just now writing a blog post about all the different categories that I've written things about. So that if you're looking just like, oh, what's important to know in September? Like I have, I don't know at all. And I've only been doing this for like, you know, five years. But over time, I've accumulated a lot of information. I've had a lot of really good guests posts. And, um, I just, I just hope that I can help somebody. I mean, if I can help one mom or dad, I would love to think that I could. I love that. So before you go, any parting words of encouragement or wisdom for parents <laughs> with teens? Don't give up, you know, don't give up, just keep figure out what works and just keep doing that. Yeah. Thank Make you, cookies. Mel. Yeah, thank make you. Did you just say make cookies? Uh-huh. Wait, That's go ahead. <laughs> we make cookies all the time. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, kids love making cookies. Um, thank you, Mel. I'm so grateful you could join us today. Thank you. It's fun. And, yeah.
And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 secrets for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode and all the helpful strategies Mel shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find the show. I encourage you to share it with a friend as well. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.